Hello and welcome to Amy's Travels in Teen Fiction. This year, 2018, we're trying something different and I decided to do a podcast with Canadian teen authors instead of the monthly column I have been doing for the Canadian Children's Book Centre. So this month, January, I'm happy to start off with Heather Smith, author of Bay Girl and the Agony of Bun O'Keefe. Thank you for coming, Heather. Thanks for having me. So, being in Canada, I, of all the authors I've read, I'd like to keep in mind that with the exception of Indigenous people, everyone has a story about how they came to Canada. Even if it's generations back, everyone has that story. So what is that story in your family? Well, funny you should mention that. Um, my son is a history major at the University of Waterloo. And just last month, he had to do a project, a genealogy project. And I had known nothing about where my people had come from until he had this project fall in his lap. Um, and it turns out that my, I remembered my brother had done something in the past with um, our family heritage. So my son contacted my brother and they had a discussion and then my son wrote this paper. And um, it turns out that I had always assumed being from Newfoundland that there was probably some Irish in the family. Right. Uh, turns out we're from um, southern England, probably Dorset. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So I like to pretend I'm Irish. I do a good Irish accent, but it's all just a big fraud. <laughs> I'm English. <laughs> so, but that was a long time ago. Um, yeah. I think 1600s. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so we've been pretty much settled, I think, in Trinity somewhere in Newfoundland for a long time and then eventually into the city. <laughs> and that's where you were born and grew up? Yes, St. John's, Newfoundland. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So um, also, your husband lived in St. John's as well. He did, yes, but he's from Scotland originally. Right. Yeah. So he's from Aberdeen, um, and his family came to Newfoundland because his father was a marine biologist, and he came to work with the cod. Oh. And Yeah, so they ended up, um, the, the marine biologists who went to Scotland had lived on my street, and anyways, it was a bit convoluted, but we'd met the summer he moved to Newfoundland, so that was 87. So, And then we ended up here in Ontario and have Ontario kids with kind of strange accents because they're <laughs> a mixture of the Canadian accent, bit of Newfoundland. And Scottish. Scottish, yeah. <laughs> it's more it's more the words that people use sometimes. It's, you know, they get funny looks. Yeah, because <laughs> certain words that you have specific accents exactly. on. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, my dad still carries some from when he grew up in the States. Oh, really? Just certain words. <laughs> But I find it interesting that it's kind of a, a trope in teen fiction that you meet the person you fall in love with when you're a teenager and you stay with them. But that actually happened. That did. It happened. I was 18 and he was 17. And, you know, I have, um, I know people who, you know, they have teenagers now and their teenagers are meeting people for the first time and falling in love and. And the parents will say, oh, well, you know, it's 
it's, you know, this isn't it. Yeah. I'm like, well, it could be. <laughs> it was for me and my husband. So, yeah. Were your but, parents of the same mind as that? Um, I don't, well, they never really said. <laughs> but, I mean, they they just thought he was actually rather strange when they first met him because he, yeah, he used to shave his head and, um, you know, uh, dye his hair and wear like crazy clothes and they couldn't understand a word he said so he was a bit of a odd duck in Newfoundland I would say. <laughs> so what brought you two together then? Um, just that uh, we were introduced by um, someone on my street who had met the, the, them um, because the uh, they had been neighbors of the previous marine biologist who had uh, been working there and uh yeah so it was just a mutual friend introduced us and um yeah we just kind of hit it off and actually we saw each other every single day That's after that like as soon as we met that was it we were together for like saw each other every day and it wasn't until a few years later that we were separated uh he went he had to go on a trip and it was like wow this is weird not seeing you constantly but <laughs> yeah so it was one of these yeah tropey type things <laughs> happening in real life yes <laughs> do you ever consider writing about it um that's specific story no but i mean i guess in general those feelings of first love would always come out in writing teen fiction that would have a love story so Right. Yeah. I mean, that whole thing, you know, write what you know is what people say so often. And it's not an intentional thing. It's just what you do. You Your experiences um, kind of seep through into your character's experiences, thrown in with a bit of, um, you know, original thought, I guess, of creating a new character. But, yeah. Would you consider any of your work autobiographical? Um, probably not really. I mean, I think there's bits of every story where there, where I've taken a snippet of someone's character that I know, somebody close to me, but not enough for it to be autobiographical. Not experiences or, <clears throat> well, settings for sure. Yeah, settings for sure. Um, Names, <laughs> you know, like I will think of a, a character's name and I might use someone, you know, uh, that I know. Right. Not like it's a first name or something. Um, there's been a few little um, glimmers, I think, of something someone might tell me that I would use. Um, in Bay Girl, there was a scene where she's sitting uh, with her dad and she and he's drinking and she turns away from him a little bit, um, like really physically giving him the cold shoulder. Uh, and she's counting his drinks. Right. Um, and that a friend of mine told me that that was her experience. So sometimes those little type, and, and when someone tells you a story like that, sometimes you're like, wow, you know, it's just this tiny moment. And it's so like, ah. Oh. It resonates. It really does. And then I don't forget that story. And so then when I'm writing the story of Kit in Bay Girl, uh, I just thought, wow, that would be... And I told my friend. <laughs> I said, by the way, 
I didn't ask for permission. I asked for permission after I wrote it. <laughs> um, and, and I think she was kind of touched by that, that I would think that that moment was so big that I would use it in a fictional book. So... Well, that's good as opposed to you know, the dangers of being friends with our writer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it can go both ways. I'll always tell you if I ever write about you. <laughs> or maybe you'll see yourself and go, ah. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> um, where do you find the inf- inspiration for your stories? So different places, really. Like, um, So Bay Girl, it was... I was in a writing class and I had to write um, just a short story. And it was about, I think there was some kind of parameters around, this is what you must write about. I can't remember exactly what it was. Um, But mine ended up being a girl on a boat, which is never my experience in my whole entire life. Like I was never lived around the Bay in Newfoundland. I was never on a fishing boat in my life, but I wrote this story of this girl uh, who was kicked from Bay girl. And, um, And I knew that her dad would, that there would be friction with her dad about his alcoholism. So that kind of, um, this completely out of the blue fictional girl in a boat story that came from nowhere, uh, kind of started drawing in real, um, not experiences I've had, but experiences my friends had growing up. Um, So I had friends whose dads were alcoholics and um, it was completely foreign to me and being in their house and feeling the tension. Um, And there was different types of tension with both um, of the girls that I was friends with. Uh, One's father was completely outrageous and would, I mean, you knew when he was around and it was like throwing their stuff out the window all the time and running around the streets screaming and yelling to this other friend whose dad was a very quiet man, uh, would do anything for them type of thing. Um, But still there was that tension because he had this problem um, that did interfere with family life. So that was where that inspiration came from. It was kind of solid um, experiences that my friends had had. Um, Something like the Agony of Ben O'Keefe, I don't know where that came from. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. I really, yeah. That would be different, right? Yeah. And so that inspiration, I mean, I can't even, it was, I started feeling, it was before Christmas a few years ago, and I thought I need to write something new because I, I didn't have anything on the go at the time. And uh, it honestly, as kind of freaky and um, kind of, I don't know, weird as it sounds it came as kind of a vibe I knew what I wanted the book to feel like but I everything was vague I had no idea who was going to be in it or what it was going to be about I just kind of knew how I wanted it to feel and I knew it would be a group of people and so when I try and talk to my family say I think I'm going to write this book and it's so it's hard I think it's going to be about a gang (laughs) and like in their minds they had like West Side Story in their mind right with like all these snapping and singing and fighting and it was like no not that type of gang just a group of people and and so it wasn't until I sat down and oh and I'd been watching so this is weird this is how everything kind of comes together completely separately from this strange vibe feeling that I 
wanted this book to have. I had been watching documentaries about horrors. Oh. So I thought, oh, I think I'd like to write a book where the first scene is this someone trying to get out of their house, but they can't because their mother is a hoarder and like the, the physical problem of actually leaving your house because there's so much junk in the way. So that was a separate idea I kind of had. So when I sat down to write this book with this vibe, I started with this opening scene of this girl leaving her house. And then the rest just kind of came and it was all kind of weird, but I didn't really know where it was coming from. And then it just came. So that's kind of the Lucy Goosey <laughs> answer. Well, I like that because as a writer, I find that inspiration comes in all kinds of places and you don't always know how things are going to fit together. And then they kind of do. Yeah. And when they do, it's really, it's like, oh, this is working. Like, and then you kind of get obsessed and you can't stop and you just keep going with it. Yes. Yeah. It's a good feeling. <laughs> In Banokif, though, it's it's a very interesting narrative because there's so much that the reader is aware of that Bun is not. Mm-hmm. And with the group of people, all the roommates, there's a lot going on in that one household. There are a lot of serious themes. Was it hard for you not to want to go into greater detail for each of the characters because you really had to just touch on it. Yeah, I think I really had to get into Bun's head. And she didn't know the in-depth stories or understand them completely of each of the characters. Right. So I, I wanted to keep the reader and her point of view. So that's why everything is seen through her eyes. So you don't get complete, full backstories and the deep reasons behind everything. And everything is not explained. It's just touched on because it's through her eyes. So it, it, wasn't, it wasn't hard for me to pull back. It was, and it wasn't even a decision to do that. It was just, this is bummed point of view and I will write what she sees and what she's experiencing. Was it a challenge to stay in her point of view? Like, uh, No, it wasn't actually because I was so into it that, that it wasn't, it was just the only issue I had was getting this out um, because it was just tumbling out of me. <laughs> And just, I need time just to sit down. And I just kind of wanted to get it out on paper. So I would, you know, I was bringing my laptop to bed (laughs) to get Bun's story out. And then waking up and writing notes down to get her story out. So, yeah. Which is different from Bay Girl. Oh, yeah. Totally different. And I don't know. I mean, who knows? And it hasn't happened since. Right. (laughs) You know, so it was just one of these things. And I think that's part of the excitement of being a writer too, because I wouldn't want to, I mean, I would die if every, <laughs> if every writing experience was like that, because it was, um, it was very intense and, uh, and draining, I guess, in a way, um, because of what she went through, what I put her through. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's an interesting observation. 
Um, it depends who you ask as a writer. Is it something you put your characters through or something that they write themselves? Or who's actually in charge, do you think? That's so funny. Um, yeah. I think, I think it's a bit of both. Like, I think Bond was in charge, right? Right. Um, but then there comes a point when you're writing where you know it's going in a certain direction. And because you've like fallen in love with this character or you feel so much for this character, you don't want them to be put through something. Yes. So then you can either hold back and wimp out and say, I'm not going to go there. And then don't do it. <laughs> or you think, um, no, you, this is this is really truly her story and I and this is what needs to happen and you go for it so which is a bit of being a puppet master I guess right but yeah I, I, it's it's a combination I guess of both things okay <laughs> how much editing went into fun story um Oh, first I should ask you, how long did it take you to write it then? So it was such an immersive experience. Yeah, so I started it on New Year's Day. Um, <laughs> and I was done by, I was really done by the end, by the spring. Like by the end of April, I think it was in, it was, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, and the editing, well, so... It went to my agent first and she, interesting, it's really great um, because she gives great feedback. And, um, and the things that she asked me to do, <laughs> I just, I still kind of laugh at because she's, because in the first draft of Bon O'Keefe, um, she doesn't get new glasses. The whole, the whole book, she's still wearing these little glasses she had since she was a kid and Adrian's like can you please get this girl a pair of glasses I'm like okay I can do that so it was things like that that she's like this is driving me crazy can you do this <laughs> um so there was a little bit of you know a little bit of rewriting um not huge things but things that she brought up that it was like fair enough I'll do this like that makes sense um and then um, the real editing process uh, with Penguin Random House um, was really amazing. Um, just the things that other people, experienced people, pick up on that you don't, um, helps you as a writer because you learn so much from it. Um, a lot of continuity type things like, you know, well, did, you know, does she ever get a haircut? Because I mentioned her bangs so much and um, just little things like that. It's like, oh yeah, oh yeah. And it really, and things that, you know, if someone if someone at a publishing house thinks it, someone else is going to think it, right? right? So it's, it's going to be something that people are going to go, oh, that was odd and that I want to fix. So I'm very grateful for everything that happens in the editing process. And some of them are big picture things and some of them are tiny little details and all of them I'm like bring them on <laughs> let's make this the best book it can be <laughs> well that's good because you know criticism can be a hard thing to take in writing so if you are able to take constructive criticism that should help it 
Yeah, for sure. And I think a lot of the times um, the feedback that I've gotten um, hasn't been this needs to change and you need to change it this way. It's we suggest that this changes somewhat, but it's up to me to come up with how to change it. And um, and I know that I can find a way that will make everybody happy. You know what I mean? Like there's always, or even in writing groups, if I go to writing groups and I, I take everything that someone says seriously because they've thought it and they've thought it for a reason, you know? So even if I think, oh, I'm not exactly sure. And someone else says, oh no, like I wouldn't think that. I will change it just so that that person won't think that way anymore, but that I'm still happy with it. And that still works for me, if that makes sense. But it never infringes on your artistic vision or anything? No, because I, I think there's always a way to, in my experience, because I've never really gotten anything that was really like changing completely the direction of things, but there's always been a happy medium for me, a, a, a way to fix things, I guess, that that addresses issues people might have had in the feedback that does that still fits within my artistic expression and the way I wanted the book to move forward. So, okay. yeah, <laughs> that's good. Um, I was gonna say you've gotten a solid start with Bay Girl, which was on the White Pine list, and an honor book for that, and then now critically acclaimed Agony of Bun O'Keefe. And next up, you have a picture book and a middle grade book coming mm -hmm. out both this year. That's um, Angus All Glow, the picture book, and Ebb and Flow, which is a verse novel for middle grade. Was it difficult for you to switch audiences? Uh, it wasn't, actually, because when I first started writing, it was picture books. was what I was doing. Um, so... It was just going back to what I'd started with, basically, oh. with picture books, yeah. So I'd started um, writing. I wrote some a few picture books set in Newfoundland, and I went to the Waterloo Public Library when Kathy Stinson was the author in residence, and um, I brought that for a critique and um, was actually invited to her uh, final event to read it. Um, and I look at it now, it's, it's all right. But <laughs> I, I mean, obviously, she she saw something in it, um, which is very encouraging. And uh, yeah, so the picture books was actually what I what I had been doing. Um, and then it moved to going to Kathy's um, workshops, and writing bigger pieces. So short stories and little snippets that then turned into full novels. But the picture book is definitely something I always did and always loved to do. So having a picture book coming up now is very exciting for me. <laughs> when did you start writing picture books? So I started writing um, about maybe 18 years ago. Yeah. Okay. So when I had my first child um, and was staying at home, I had just started writing little stories and then it just grew from there. I wasn't a serious writer before that at all. No. No. 
I didn't write a lot growing up. I wrote, um, I wrote silly things growing up a lot. Like I wrote a lot of, I was the kid in class who was writing filthy poems <laughs> on pieces of paper and handing them to the person next to me to make them laugh. <laughs> so I guess I was writing to a certain extent, but nothing very literary. <laughs> was there a moment when you decided to be a writer or? So there was actually a moment that, so when I'd started writing the picture books and funny little stories, um, there was a family friends of ours and their son, who was, I think he was eight at the time, he was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And he, um, it was it was so tragic. And I was in Newfoundland at the time on holiday and my husband called me and he said, uh, oh, you know, Josh has been diagnosed with this and he's in the hospital right now. And I think he had some surgery that caused another issue. Um, and he said that, he had gone to the hospital to visit this kid with his family and this child who was previously um, just totally, you know, running around, happy, healthy child um, was now because of the surgery. Um, he had no control over his faculties at all. He, right. he was in a bed and all of his, body parts were just flailing and his head was flailing and his parents were just distraught because they couldn't reach him anymore. And me being in Newfoundland was like, oh, I don't know what to do. And so I wrote a story for him and about him and his family. And they had a lot of animals, so I included all the cats and everything else. And it was just this completely ridiculous story. And Apparently, it turns out that they read that to him in the hospital room and he started laughing, like through all of this movement and the noises he was making and the flailing. And he was he just laughed at all the right spots. And then so, of course, everyone's crying because, you know, they had reached him. And I was like, my story did that. You know, this is amazing. And I, I went. So my husband called me and he said, this is what happened when they read your story. And at the point I thought, I don't care if I'm ever published. I don't care whatever happens. Like, this is it. This is what writing is about. And so that was, that was huge. And then I thought, okay, I, I can be a writer because look what I've just accomplished. And I wrote him a series of stories after that, that through, you know, his recovery that it became, he was a detective. <laughs> he had lots of cases. <laughs> But yeah, so that that was probably when I saw the power in writing. Yeah, it was huge. That's amazing. Yeah. That's quite the, <laughs> the inspiration. Totally, yeah. So, I don't know. When I was growing up, writers... Mostly rode in isolation, I would say. And I remember when I was in high school and I read William Bell, I actually emailed him. But it felt like, like emailing this God, in a sense. Mm -hmm. Because writers are so powerful with their stories. And I never expected him to respond, but he did. But he was still this remote figure. 
But how do you find being a writer in the age of social media? Yeah, I mean, I'm not a big social media person. I'm on there. Um, so I don't have, I mean, I do, I do make connections with people and I think that's really great. And I love that readers can connect with me so easily. I do like that would be the highlight of my day if I get a note or, or a letter or an email or from anybody. Does that um, happen a lot or? It doesn't have, I mean, so with Bay Girl, um, I did, I didn't have a big social media presence then, but you know, if I got an email um, from someone, that was so wonderful. So I imagine William Bell was quite happy to receive an email from you because it, it's, it, it is great. Um, so, but yeah, my social media presence isn't, isn't huge. I, I've never had any negatives from it. Um, I think it's all good, basically, in my experience. I don't know that, I don't know personally of any authors who um, have had issues in the, or, or how it's different for them. But there is more of a <clears throat> pull on your time, I would say. Like, you had to go to Writers' Fest in Calgary and for White Pine, you yeah. a festival and you're meeting people, you're meeting your readers, which is good, but also it takes time away from being able to create. I, I think I'm not so much um, bothered or concerned with the taking away of the time that it takes to create because um, I think it's that's part of the gig. So I embrace it. Um, and I actually, it, for me, you know, it's more about coming out of your comfort zone because you're like, like you said, being a writer is very isolating. So to go from being in your pajamas in your comfy chair um, all day long writing to being on a stage, <laughs> that's um, that's scary, yeah. and it really it's nerve wracking. And I, you know, Calgary, I was really nervous about going, and I could have easily just said, oh. Oh, I'm not going to do that and just gotten like out of it and whatever. But I thought, no, like I'm going to do this. I will do this. <laughs> and, um, and I loved it. Yeah, it was great. And it, I mean, school presentations and that type of thing, it's, it's still scary and it's nerve wracking, but it's also um, meeting the readers inspires you to keep writing for them. So, I mean, I think a writer is going to write, whether you have these, this social media presence where people are contacting you or not, I think you're going to do what you're going to do or what you're driven to do. Um, I don't necessarily think it's an added pressure. I think it might be a little bit of an incentive, which is probably a good thing. Do you think there are different demands on you as a teen slash children's writer as opposed to an adult writer? Writer for um, adults. <laughs> I think I, I think you might consider your audience a little bit more as far as um, what you're writing, how it will affect them. Uh, and I, that doesn't that doesn't dictate your writing at all. Um, but if you look at a lot of the a lot of stories or a lot of teen novels that have come out, um, the one about the suicide. 
What was that one? Became a big Netflix TV show. Oh, 13 Yeah. Why? So things like that, I think, as an author, as a teen author, um, I think you do need to think, put thought into the audience about how this will affect them, about how they'll be able to handle a certain thing. I don't think adult authors sit, sit down and think, oh, I wonder how, you know, Joe Blogg sitting in his house today is going to react to this murder that I just, you know what I mean? But yeah. so I think that there is a responsibility. Um, I don't think you should dictate what you write, um, but I think it should be a consideration. Has it affected your writing? Um, I, it hasn't affected my writing, but it has made me like with Bun O'Keefe, there's a few things in it. And I think, I do think about that, um, about how someone might, feel about writing that about reading that um and but it doesn't it doesn't change the story for me or wouldn't have changed the way i i'd written the story um i do i do know that i do tell people who they don't know about the story that they might be reading it to you know i'm going to start reading this to my child this week who's whatever age i'm like no don't do that (laughs) you know let's um Let's wait. I would wait. <laughs> uh, my twelve. I have a very sensitive twelve-year-old. She hasn't read it yet. Oh, so I mean, yeah. some twelve-year-olds would be fine, probably. But yeah. So th- I think there's things like that when you're writing to a young audience that you you do think about a little bit more. Yeah. Right. Do you also find? I mean, it's such a well-written book, and it has been so well received by critics. Do you have a different response from teens or have you heard from teens about Bon O'Keefe or? So a different response from the critic? Yes. Okay. Um, I've heard from teens, but not, not like a full in-depth critique, just that, um, that they liked it, that they, um, one was, um, I just can't believe more people aren't talking about this, which is really nice. <laughs> but yeah, but no, there hasn't been a a, um, a difference be- that I've seen yet between, say, teen reviewers and adult reviewers. It's kind That's of interesting, like- though, if, if something does come up or, or in general in teen fiction. You yeah. probably know about that more than me, whether there, there, there's been books where it's like the teens say this, but the critics say that, like completely different point of views. Well, I do think teens have a different viewpoint once you are an adult. As a reviewer, I know my view is not the same as a a teenage reader who the book was actually written for, so I may try to put myself in their shoes, Mm -hmm. but I know my reviews are probably more for adults recommending books, Right. Yeah. which is a completely different thing. Yeah. I think it's kind of like Rotten Tomatoes, where you have the the critic score and the audience exactly. score, and sometimes they are completely yeah, that's so true. different. Yeah. So I just wondered if you'd heard it. Yeah, not, like not yet. Yeah, it'd be interesting though. It's an interesting question. Well, it's still a relatively new book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it is. It just came out in the fall. I know. So it feels like it's been a long time. <laughs> Because it's been a few months. Yeah, that's right. But is it hard to juggle all of these projects? I mean, you have this one book that's newly out, this other book that you're writing, the ones that are in development, being published. 
It's not, I don't really think it's, it's pretty much lined up pretty well. So it seems so far that when I've sent one thing in, then the edits for another would come in and then I'd send those edits. And so I've been lucky that it's just kind of fallen into place a little bit as far as the, the various projects. Um, I mean, there are some times where it might, something might overlap a little bit, but it's not like catastrophe or anything. Um, I'd say the hardest part is, um, and I'm sure a lot of writers can relate to this, is that you have a book that's just come out and it's getting some nice reviews and some nice things said about it. And then you're writing another one <laughs> and you're like, oh, you, you, you do feel the pressure um, of, of having this other one hanging over you. Like, oh, I hope. I hope I can make this one decent. <laughs> but didn't that happen to John Green? Didn't, oh, yeah, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, he did. so. that long period between the Fault in Our Stars and Turtles all the way down. So, I mean, if John Green feels a little bit of pressure, then it's, I think it's normal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think so, too. What makes you choose Newfoundland as a setting for your books? Um... Well, for it came very naturally with Bay Girl because that was my first book, and um, it's in the title. <laughs> and it's in the title, yeah. And it, it yeah, so it, that was just because it, it was born out of this short story of this girl in the boat, and you know, um, the agony of Bun O'Keefe. It also was just this is the right place for it to be set, um, and it just felt really natural, and. It, it's just because I, because you can, because I know it, the setting so well that there's no, um, it's just easy, I guess, to, to write in uh, the feeling, the vibe, the places, the weather, <laughs> all of these things. It, it just comes naturally, um, but not all. Like my, the next one is not set in Newfoundland; it's in Ontario. But I've lived here too oh, for a long time, yeah. so. <laughs> So yeah, but but Newfoundland is yeah that's my go-to to place, and I think it lends itself um, to a lot of humor. I think if you're writing a book set in Newfoundland, then there has to be some wackiness <laughs> included, or, or you're not being true to the setting and the place and the people. <laughs> There's no hesitance though to set it in Canada based on audience appeal. Um, no, I, I don't know that I could set it anywhere other than Canada because that would be... Even if it was an anonymous location? I don't, I don't know. I think, I think I need to, for me, um, the truth is, I don't want to do a lot of research. <laughs> you know, like... If, I think if I picked another place to set it in, like this is a full novel, there would have to be a real reason. There would, there would have to be a historical reason, like some a reason why it's set there. Right. It wouldn't just be picked out of a hat just for the hell of it, just for something new, just to change it up so it's not Newfoundland again. You know, like it, there would have to be a reason. It would have to be part of the plot. Um, and I can't imagine that I would write a book right now, maybe, who knows what I, 
might come along, um, that would be set other, another place rather than Canada. I, it's just, yeah, I write what I, where I know. So as we close up, I just wondered if you'd like to tell us about your latest project. So my latest project is um, coming out with Penguin Teen in spring 2019. And it's a contemporary realistic novel. And it's set in Ontario. And the main character is a girl who is a sign waiver for a chicken shop. So she spends a lot of time in a chicken suit. And um, I won't say too much about it other than there's a reason why she likes to work in a chicken suit. Because she is kind of hiding, in a way, from things and a lot of things that have happened. And um, the chicken costume is kind of like a suit of armor. A feathery suit of armor. <laughs> So, yeah, so that's that's what I'm working on right now. As yet untitled? <laughs> um, yeah, we'll see what the title turns out to be. But spring 2019. And then there is um, a picture book in the works with Orca called A Plan for Pops, and that will be out in 2019 as well. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of books coming out. <laughs> well, I'd like to thank you for joining me today and for being my guinea pig as the first <laughs> author interview of the Great. year. Well, thanks for having me. This is my very first podcast. <laughs> I'm very excited. I hope I didn't babble too much. And if I said anything that was wrong or offensive, I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're good. <laughs> So uh, join me again next month. I'm, I'm not exactly sure who the author will be yet, but I'm sure it will be a wonderful conversation. Keep reading. Bye.